It's Friday, and we got a name for Fridays around these parts. It's Ryan Day here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops here with the Sports 10, and we're delighted to be joined by Ryan Sieg. Kind of the lend of his time as we end the week here on the Sports 10. What's going on, Ryan? Not much. Uh, it's kind of a <laughs> gloomy day out there, mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> it's uh, kind of puts a uh, kind of negative vibe. (laughs) Last week we were on here, we were talking, the weather was outstanding. It was awesome last week and through the weekend, and this week it's just kind of been drab, kind of gray, kind of foggy in some areas of the city, at least where I am. It's uh, been hit heavy by fog, some rain and storm, what have you, but uh, man, it's we had summer here, and now uh, it's doing its darndest to try to come back. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, Oh, of course, I don't have air conditioning in my house, so oh, when no. it gets hot, yeah, so when it gets hot, it becomes excruciating for me, and uh, so, but uh, so I enjoy it when it's cool, but uh, I could go without the rain. That's kind of a, it's kind of a downer. Well, so. we've got the weekend coming. Is this an unpopular opinion, Ryan? Tell me if this is an unpopular opinion, but I honestly like the four-day work week more than the three-day weekend. Is that unpopular, or is that is that weird to think about? Huh. I kind of like kind of having the short work week a little bit. It's, it's um, I don't think it's that controversial. I think uh, a short work week is uh, beneficial, you know. It uh, and the three day weekend, oh, it just it's flies like, by. It feels like yeah, it, it really does. And uh, unless you're really doing something over Memorial Day weekend, like you're really like you're going somewhere, it's kind of it zips by, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? hey, and don't get me wrong. I love what I do, too, here during the work week. But it, I, I kind of like that where you get closer to Friday. Like, the weekend comes quicker, it feels like. I, I don't know. It's just I, I almost like a four-day work week better than a three-day weekend. But nonetheless, we've got plenty to talk about in the wide world of sports, particularly on the hockey side of things over the course of the next hour. We have some good news coming out of college hockey we'll tell you why here in just a little bit and then of course the nhl came out with their plan to return to play ryan i want to gather your thoughts on that and it it feels weird to be talking about sports on a day like this where again it's kind of gloomy there are so many issues going on in this country and in this world Um, but we are thankful for a little bit of good news as it pertains to some of the hockey teams up here and that is the fact that there is light at the end of the tunnel for Alabama Huntsville's hockey program. They started a grassroots GoFundMe last week to try and raise $500,000 by today in an effort to uh, save their hockey program, which they announced a few weeks ago was going to be discontinued. They did it. They met their goal. They're at their $500,000 as of today. So good news as far as trying to keep that uh, that alive and try to grow the sport in this country. Yeah, it's when uh, they announced that they were dropping the sport, it was kind of a, it wasn't surprising, to, considering the situation Huntsville was in. Um, you know, they've been struggling with, you know, trying to keep it afloat. That, you know, it was just like ten years ago or so where they decided to disband the program. You know, and now they're gonna do, they were gonna do it again. Um, they don't have a conference. Well, after this season, they don't have a conference. They have – they don't have an on-campus arena. They're just 
there's a lot of problems Huntsville has, and uh, I understood why they decided to do so, and uh, it was very sad to see, but, you know, fans have come together, they raised the money, you know, it looks like they've met their goal, which was, you know, a really great moment um, in a not a very great time in this country, so um, I... I was glad to see that, but there's a lot of work to do. Just because they met their goal doesn't mean like everything's going to be perfect from that point on. They still got a lot of stuff to figure out. Well, that's why I wanted to ask you because they've all they've got players that have already transferred out, and they've got several in the transfer portal. I don't know what the coaching situation is. If Mike Corbett and his staff have been looking uh, elsewhere, maybe been in talks with other schools. In your opinion, what is the biggest hurdle for Alabama Huntsville, and what's the likelihood they do play this week? Um, well, I don't, the likelihood is not the greatest. Um, if you were to give me a potential, like a, a percent chance or odds, um, I wouldn't say that great. I would say a lot of things have to go well. Like you said, um, they've had a lot of transfers. You know, we know two of which have already, you know, signed with different schools. One's going to Arizona State. The other's going to Boston College. You have a bunch in the transfer portal. Um, I'm sure Long Island University is <laughs> hoping to get as many people as they can, since, I mean, they don't have a roster. I know they're just – you have that to deal with, and I think that's the biggest problem. You also have, okay, are you going to bring Mike Corbett back? Or is he going to go elsewhere? Because um, I don't know if he wants to come back. I'm sure, you know, the idea of, you know, getting the program again after watching it kind of be heartbreakingly taken away. I mean, I, you know, that might be what he wants again. But at the same time, they did dump him <laughs> in the program. I don't know if he wants to come back to that. And then you have scheduling issues. You know, you got when... Alabama disbanded their program, there might have been teams who were dropping those games and trying to fill it and, you know, looking elsewhere. And so there's another problem. Are you going to be able to get those games back? Are you, it's as great as it was to see this morning that they were able to reach their goal. Things aren't perfect. They're not going to get back to normal right away. And uh, that, that, that's the disappointment. Well, and I don't want to get too far off the beaten path, but you did bring up Long Island, and this is the first time we've had you on since they announced their first head coaching program history. Sunday night, they announced that Brett Riley was going to take over the program, and tell you what, Ryan, that's pretty darn good hire. Former assistant to Don Vaughn, and he built the Wilkes program up from scratch, and obviously the Riley family, we know what they've done for college hockey. I thought it was a really good hire for the show. Yeah, you needed. To, they needed to hire someone who could basically build the program from scratch, and um, I think they got a good guy um, in Riley to take over and just because you got to be able to get players to fill the roster, you got to fill out your coaching staff, you gotta, you know, <laughs> they're still trying to figure out a schedule, you know, to begin with. So you gotta. The first step is to get a good coach, and they were able to do that. I was wondering who would want to take the job is at this stage in the game, you know, the season is still as of now stated to start on time. 
So you would have to <laughs> come up with a roster and recruit enough people to have a team ready to play on time in October. And that's not an ideal situation for any coach. So I give him credit for wanting to take that on, and I give the school credit for hiring a guy who looks like he can do so. Well, I tell you what, Ryan, um, it's not related to Alabama Huntsville or to Long Island U, but you know this has been speculated here the last couple of weeks is how many other hockey programs are in jeopardy. And I guess in a way it is related to those schools. And, you know, we were all disappointed about Huntsville, but, you know, it wasn't necessarily a surprise, like you mentioned. And it probably won't be the last hockey program that gets cut. And again, we hope it comes back. But obviously the Alaska schools are on thin ice, maybe some schools out east. Uh, but sports are getting slashed across the board. And yesterday it was Brown who announced that they are slashing, I think, 11 sports. But thankfully hockey was saved. But 11 sports slashed by a single school. And that's an Ivy League school. That's that's. <laughs> and uh, I saw the other day it was UConn. Uh, they have a proposal put together that somebody's recommended they slash eight different sports at that school. And, you know, they have 24 varsity sports there. That's a little bit bigger than usual. But axing one-third of your athletic department, I, I just – there's a lot of sports up in the air right now. A lot of sports are in jeopardy, and certainly we've seen that at the mid-major level. Um, but it, especially in the hockey side of things, as it relates to college hockey, I don't think we've seen the last of programs getting cut, unfortunately. No, uh, I would definitely be keeping an eye on the Alaska schools. They've been in jeopardy for, you know, the last pretty much decade. They've um, they've been hanging by a thread. You wonder, you know, how the economy is going to work up in Alaska. They've had the legislature has made cuts. You wonder how that was going to work out. They're saved for a couple seasons, and then it comes up again, and then they're saved again, and then it comes up again. So um, with Huntsville disbanding their program, and now it looks like it could come back, you wonder what's going to happen up there in Alaska. And then you have a bunch of small schools out east. A lot of the Atlantic hockey schools – um, some of them are D1 straight up. There's Air Force. There's Army. There's, but a lot of them are smaller schools. You look at schools like, you know, Bentley or something like that. I mean, hockey is what that that's their main sport. And if you look at a small school like that, you're wondering, can they afford to have a D1 school anymore? And that's going to be the tough part. And so I would keep an eye on them. Um, a lot of the Atlantic hockey schools, and I would keep an eye on the Alaska schools. But then, like you mentioned, with Brown, the the surprising thing there is the fact that the Ivy League schools have a lot of money. <laughs> Their endowments are pretty massive. So the fact that they've had to resort that route, I think, says something. Um, they were able to save hockey, but, you know, how long is that going to be the case? And then you have Connecticut, which there's – Connecticut was criticized at the time for moving because Connecticut's football team was at the FCS level, mm -hmm. and they moved to the FBS level. And to do that, to move up a level, you got to be able to be stable enough. And they were criticized because UConn's not known for football. No. <laughs> They're a basketball school. And – 
their their logic was, oh, if we move up, then that'll create our national prominence, and you know we'll become more famous. Well, you also have to have a good team for that to happen. <laughs> UConn's not been the best. We as we've made fun of on the show the hilarious civil conflict that they had with UCF. Do you remember that? <laughs> the fighting Orlovskis over at UConn. Yeah, where they had. You know that trophy that UCF left on the bench because they didn't care about it after the game. <laughs> they, it's, and you know, there's been conversation about how UConn botched its football, you know, movement, and now it could affect other teams because football costs a lot of money. If you're going to keep it at an FBS level, you may have to sacrifice smaller sports. So you're wondering about that hockey program. Are they going to? You know, because UConn created their men's hockey team not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So are they going to go back on that? It's <laughs> the Atlantic hockey schools and the Alaska schools are the ones that are in most jeopardy. I think all, from, from what I heard, the most part, everybody else seems to be maybe not ideal footing, <laughs> but, you know, secure enough where not gonna, they're going to be playing this fall. Other, but. The other ones, that's that's where the question mark is. You got to imagine the conferences that are going to offer the most protection for their teams would be the Big Ten, the NCHC conferences like that. Oh yeah, they're um, you know you look the the Big Ten schools, they have a lot of money, they're financially stable. The NCHC is considered you know the best conference in college hockey, and all their schools have you know invested heavily into their hockey programs. And Hockey East, you know, you got the Boston schools out there, and you have a lot of the New England area schools have really emphasized hockey. That's their statement. That's their big, you know, money maker. So I don't. I think they're going to be fine, like Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, stuff like that. But the Atlantic hockey schools, as I mentioned, they're very, you know, they're smaller. They're don't have the budget as a lot of these other schools do. And the ACAC schools, a lot of them are the Ivies. You have Harvard in there, you have Yale, you have Cornell, and they're, they've got the money to support that. But uh, these smaller schools, that's, that's where the question mark is. And it's going to be intriguing to see what's going to happen because, in my opinion, Huntsville's not going to be the last. Now, it looks like it's, like, like I said, that it could be potentially saved. They raised a lot of money, but there's, as I said, there's a lot still in play to be fixed before everybody can feel good that the Chargers are going to be back in it. Well, and you look at the WCHA, and I know they're going to reform a new conference after this year, but you got a lot of schools here, Ryan, that are mainly Division Two uh, in this conference, but their main sport is hockey. They all come together with D1 hockey programs. Is there anyone other than the Alaska schools in Huntsville that could be in real danger in the, within the WCHA? Well, these, um, those would be the, the top three. Um, everybody else says, you know, said, you know, <laughs> they made that move to set their own conference, you know, uh, in kind of a surprise move. So I don't think there's any true danger in there. I'd love to hear the financial reports out of a lot of these schools, but from what I hear, you know, Bowling Green cut baseball, and that seems to be their only cut so far. So I think hockey's, you know, okay there for right now. I know Minnesota State's probably fine. You know, they're, uh, they've, you know, <laughs> you've seen the success there. They've gone 
like all in on hockey. So they're, I think they're going to be okay. Um, I, I've wondered about Lake State for a while now, you know, because it was just a few years ago where there was speculation that how much longer can Lake State afford to keep a D1 team? Because Lake State doesn't have football. They don't, you know, so, and Lake State's a really small school. I, I'm sure youpers are aware from it uh, of how small their school is, but those who are listening outside the area, like Lake State is an enrollment of what two thousand? Yeah, something like <laughs> you that. Know? Yeah, so you know how sustainable is that? I mean, Colorado College is even smaller, and you know they've had to make some sacrifices to keep a Division One hockey school. So. I'm wondering how much longer Lake State's going to be able to do it. I think they're okay now, but or they wouldn't have been if they didn't join that new conference, you know, that's been created. But you're wondering how much longer are they going to be able to do it. So I would say they're another one to keep an eye on, not as much as the Alaska schools and Huntsville was, but that they're in the back of my mind too, so. Dan Aruk, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk about the NHL's return-to-play format, and we'll uh, maybe even speculate on the playoff track a little bit. Next on ESPN-UP. Household Appliance is ready to take care of you and your appliance needs. May is Maytag month, and there are huge incentives right now on quality, built-in-the-USA Maytag appliances. Stay home, stay safe has allowed many people to realize that their kitchen appliances need to be replaced or that their washers and dryers just aren't doing the trick. Well, Household Appliance and Marquette has the quality and the savings of Maytag during May is Maytag month. Maytag quality lasts, but these incentives won't last for very long. Household Appliance, where service after the sale is a tradition. Sale ends June 3rd. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. talking about on the show throughout the week but you're our resident hockey expert beat writer for the northern michigan hockey team our first chance to break down the return to play plan with you and you know for those of our listeners who missed it of course 24 teams made the cut top 12 in each conference they'll have a play-in round for the 5 through 12 seeds and then one through four will have kind of a round robin pool play type deal to determine their seeding and from there it's a traditional bracket, whether that be best of five in the first couple of rounds or best of seven, and then they move to a strict best of seven for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Personally, Ryan, I, I do like this. I'm glad that the NHL is embracing the asterisk that is put onto the, you know, whatever's going to happen this year. There will probably be an asterisk, and they're embracing that. They're going with something new, seeing if something sticks, and I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued to see this new format. It's... It's going to be interesting. I like some of the stuff. I like the fact that they've added more schools this year. Uh, not schools. <laughs> I'm still on college hockey for a second. <laughs> but um, they've added more teams this year. I think that um, adds a little fun element. And you're wondering, can that get more, col- more um, casual fans? to tune in if there's more teams involved maybe their teams were probably not going to make the playoffs or in now 
maybe that'll you know help with TV ratings. The one thing that I think is weird is the fact that the president's trophy winners have to battle for seating. Mm-hmm. They don't automatically get the top seed, but now they have to fight three other teams to be able to get the seed. That's a big problem I have in it because it seems like, well, what was the point of the president's trophy? Congrats, you have the best record, but you don't really get rewarded <laughs> for it. You know, it's just it seems like an odd thing when I saw that. Like, okay, why don't you just go by the records? I mean, they're they're you know if they're gonna get a buy, okay, but just <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to keep everybody fresh by keeping you know the four teams playing each other but it just seems like a weird way to go about it i tell you what it gives uh 24 teams the opportunity to play and extend their season and the big thing that people don't always think about is that you have a lot of those local and tv radio contracts that uh need to be fulfilled and they are doing that they're able to get those fulfilled uh for the most or at least uh in a better uh scenario than they would have originally so i do enjoy that part of it um with this play-in round though this is kind of something that the NBA has been looking at because they had a board of governors meeting this week and 75% say that they would like to have a play in round as well. And I almost wonder if the NBA is going to start looking at this model and they're going to think about doing something like this. I mean, would you be okay with it? Would you have a problem if the NBA went with the same model the NHL is or should they do something different? I guess, what would you like to see the NBA do? Um, I, I'm okay with them following the NFL, the NHL's um, model. I think that could be, you know, a good thing. I don't know if they should have the top four seeds fighting for seeding. I think that's kind of a ridiculous idea they came up with. But if you want to add more teams, um, you know, shorten the rounds. I was wondering about this when they came up before they came up with the format. Should you shorten? every series to make sure that you get on and finished on time. Because before the NHL had seven, seven games per each round. Mm-hmm. If you shorten it, you know, the first and second rounds, maybe you can get done on that. If you shorten it, you know, up to five games and then maybe make the conference finals and the Stanley cup finals seven, maybe you'll be able to get, you know, finish it in the time that you want it to. So I'm wondering if the NBA is going to look at that. Now the NBA already has, an easier model in line, pretty sure that it's five games in the first round. So they're going to be, they're going to be in a little different situation there. So I, maybe the NBA will look at keeping their rounds at five and then making, maybe making the NBA finals at seven. That's what I'm wondering how they're going to go about it. I'm hoping they don't do the NHL's model of playing the different seeds in the, you know, to get, you know, seating. Um, but yeah, it's part of me wishes what the NHL did is before they announced the playoff system is kind of get all their ducks in a row before they make announcements like, okay, how are we going to play this out? Are you going to have just all the games in, you know, two different cities? Are you going to have hubs? If so, what hubs are they going to be? You know, it's it was nice that they announced the playoff system, but it was I wish, you know, they would have 
kind of <laughs> crossed their T's and dotted their I's before, you know, you make an announcement like that. I'm, you know, and then you got the NBA, which is flirting with the idea of playing in Orlando. <laughs> so, I don't, it, there's so many still question marks remaining. Then, uh, I mean, there's a couple things that have been answered, but there's still more stuff. So, <clears throat> it's hard to predict in a way how mm-hmm. things are going to go. I tell so, you what, we do know the matchups, though, so let's speculate yeah. on these a little bit. In the Eastern Conference, your play-in round matchup, you've got the five-seed Pittsburgh against the 12-seed Montreal, number six Carolina, number 11 the New York Rangers, the seven-seeded Islanders and number 10 Florida, and then number eight Toronto takes on number nine Columbus. Which of those first-round matchups is more intriguing to you? Do you see any of those that could be maybe, you know, they play best of five, go into that decisive game five, or maybe even the low seed uh, pulling off an upset? Um, I guess the first round, you know, as a Penguins fan, I'm sure you're intrigued. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Montreal. Um, I think Pittsburgh's going to get by that okay. I think they're the better team overall. And you look at the 12 seeds, you can make it the case that these guys shouldn't have been in the, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think Montreal is going to have some problems with Pittsburgh. So it's intriguing to see if if 12 can if the 12 seed can compete with the 5 seed and maybe they can if it's a shortened series um but I don't see that happening. You look at Carolina and the Rangers. I'm going with Carolina in that one. Now it's you know Carolina was one of the teams that was opposing this idea, mm-hmm. which is a little understandable because you know they looked like they were going to be in better shape going into the playoffs than where they are now. So the regular playoff system. So I can understand them being upset about it. That being said, I think they're going to get past the first round, getting past the Rangers fairly easily. Um, I guess the one of the first round, I would say Toronto and Columbus is the funnest one for me because Toronto has gone into the playoffs every year with a lot of hype and didn't live up to expectations. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you have Columbus last year who pulled the shocking upset in the first round over the Lightning, and you're wondering if Columbus can, you know, do that again. Um, So that's the one I'm most excited about, are the Leafs going to kind of end their jinx that plagues them every postseason, or is Columbus going to say, you know, last year wasn't a fluke, that we – belong in the playoffs and we're making the case for ourselves that we have staying power i tell you what uh you did bring up the columbus toronto matchup and if i were not biased as being a penguins fan uh yes that would be the one that i'd be most interested in because you're right the leaves they always come in with hype and they generally have high-powered offenses and they're lackluster on the back end and they just don't get by the first round and uh, columbus is you know they're the giant killers so that one i'm most intrigued I think other than being, you know, invested as a Penguins fan, I know you don't like that round robin, that pool play with the top four seeds, but how do you see that shaking out in the Eastern Conference with Boston, uh, Washington, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay? Is there any team that you like to come out of there with the number one seed? Well, I think, you know, Boston is favored, you know, you know, getting, you know, the top would have gotten the top seed, but I'm also thinking their best competition is going to be with Tampa Bay. Um, 
I think Tampa Bay maybe isn't what they were last year, but I think they're going to put Boston in the best fight. I think Boston's going to end up getting the top seed regardless, but I think they're going to get a good battle from the Lightning. And I think, you know, Tampa's going to get the two, Washington the three, and I think Philadelphia's going to get the four. So that's how I see it shaking out. Philadelphia just seems to be the weak link of, of that group, and I get it. They're a top four team record-wise or points-wise, but I just don't see them as a top-four team in that cup. Like, I see teams that are in the play-in round with a better chance of contending for the cup than Philadelphia. I see, yeah, I see teams like Carolina, <laughs> you know, fighting for the cup more than I see Philadelphia and or Pittsburgh, you know, contending for it more than Philadelphia. It seems like Philadelphia got one of the top four seeds kind of by default mm -hmm. rather than, you know, they deserved it. So I think they're the weakest of the four. And um, if whoever they play in the first round or, or the second round, technically, because the first round is the qualifying round, did, I think they're going to be the team that has the most struggles in that next round. Let's go to the Western Conference where in their qualifying round they've got number five Edmonton against number 12 Chicago, number six Nashville and number 11 Phoenix, number seven Vancouver and number 10 Minnesota, number eight Calgary and number nine Winnipeg. Which of those matchups is the most intriguing to you? Well, I, there's a lot of people joking about the 5-12 matchup that <laughs> Bettman made sure to get everything in his power to get the Blackhawks in the <laughs> You know, you got to have that big city market to help with ratings. So, uh, um, but I don't think the Blackhawks are, you know, good enough to keep up with the Oilers. I think the Oilers are going to be okay there. Um, you look at Nashville and Arizona. I know you have a Coyotes jersey. I do have a Predators jersey, though, too. Oh, uh, which player is that one? Ailey Tolvanen. He's a prospect for them. Oh, okay. He's appeared in a few okay. games. Ate's brother. Yeah, I covered him. Uh, two years when I was in Sioux City. Okay, interesting choice. I uh, I think um, I think Nashville is going to be okay there. Um, Vancouver in the Wild as a Minnesota as a as a Minnesota native and a Wild fan, I am of course looking forward and keeping my eye on that series. Um, but for me, like I had in the East, the eight nine matchups, the one I'm more excited about, the Calgary Winnipeg. Because Winnipeg has been the team that's been there mm -hmm. in the last couple of years that maybe they should have gotten a cup bid. And now they're maybe on their last legs a little bit. And then you have Calgary, which has gotten, you know, a lot of hype that the whole Oilers-Flames rivalry is back, that maybe Calgary's making a push. And they're both Canadian teams, mm -hmm. and there's always a heated series whenever the Canadian teams are involved. And I'm looking forward to seeing how CBC is going to handle that because <laughs> they're always fun when they're doing Canada stuff. So I think that one is the more intriguing one for me. How about uh, the top four seeds? You've got St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas, and Vegas might get home ice advantage from this. Sounded like Vegas is going to be one of the likely two hub cities. Is there anybody you like in that group? Well, I don't think you can go wrong with the Blues. The Blues barely got into the playoffs <laughs> last year and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And then, you know, are having, an, you know, a much better year this year record-wise that, you know, I think you 
got to put uh, the faith on that team that they're going to be the most successful of the top four. Vegas, I think, potentially playing at home could be fun for them. Well, I don't think there's going to be fans there, so that could be a change in atmosphere for them. But I think playing at their home rink is kind of an advantage for them. I don't know what to say about Dallas, per se. I don't know what to say about Colorado. I would put the money on Vegas and St. Louis uh, if you're going to look for the top four seeds. It seems like the West compared to the East is a little more balanced. There's not as much of a disparity. You could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team in the first round makes a deep run, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the top four seeds gets upset. You know, in their first in their first opportunity, so it's it's going to be an interesting playoff system if it starts on time and goes it's according to plan. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stig with you on ESPN UP. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, we'll play a game of Entourage. Plus, we'll tell you what the NFL owners decided was permissible and not for their upcoming season. Next on ESPN UP. MBank offers sophisticated banking solutions to support your business. When you bank with MBank, we support you every step of the way, combining big bank resources with personal service and quick local decision making that moves at the speed your business moves. MBank has helped a wide range of small to mid-sized businesses achieve success. Our experienced team makes it easy and convenient to help you grow. Let MBank design a personalized plan for your business's unique needs. MBank, community-focused, client-driven. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. We've invented a new messaging system using the crisp sounds of Bud Light. Crisp code. Lesson 42. This is how you say happy hour. It's happy hour. Let's go get some Bud Lights. That's it for today. Brewed with no corn syrup. Bud Light. Crisp. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer. Anheuser-Busch. St. Louis, Missouri. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Chase Elliott earned his first cup victory of the season at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Elliott also won the truck series race on Tuesday. Former USC quarterback JT Daniels announces that he will transfer to Georgia, the apparent heir apparent to Jake Fromm. And finally, jams are made from real fruit, while jelly is made from fruit juice. That is your sports center update. You a jelly or a jam guy, Ryan? Um, I growing up, I uh, was very much a jelly. Uh, fan because that was primarily my house. I can embrace jam, but I think jelly adds a little more of a. If you're gonna get PB and J, you think jelly. Yep. You don't think jam. <laughs> so I'm more of a I'm more of a jelly fan. I don't. Where do you stand on the issue? I'm with you. I'm with you there. I mean, SpongeBob didn't try catching jam fish. He wanted jelly fish. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where we're going with this. Um, I tell you what, I do want to get to what the NFL voted on and specifically what they didn't vote on yesterday as far as rules for the upcoming season. But first, I want to play a game of Entourage with Ryan because we did this on the show a few days ago, Ryan, and Will Kane was doing it on his show. And, you know, you have all these different categories. Basically, who's in your entourage? You know, 
We uh, The other day I did it with Tyree Smith from ABC10. We were picking one actor, uh, one coach from any sport, one uh, one mascot from any sport, and one ESPN personality. And uh, I thought that went well. So th- the category I have uh, today, Ryan, I have been binge-watching The Simpsons. I've done it through quarantine. I took like a month off or so, and now I'm back on it. Um, but I'm hoping I'm not through all 30 seasons by the end of quarantine. If it does, that means the world is not gotten much better lately but uh i've been i've been watching a lot of simpsons episodes lately so our category today is what four simpsons characters would be in your entourage you get to hang out with these guys you're going out to the club you're going out for dinner you know you get your entourage of four simpsons characters who would you pick i think you gotta go for sure you gotta go with the main guy you gotta go with homer you do he's gonna give you he's gonna give you entertainment He's going to be, you know, he's got wild ideas at times. Um, but, you know, if he gets too crazy, I feel like you can try to steer him in the, direct, the right <laughs> direction. Because if he does something dumb, he eventually tries to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And that's been on the show numerous times. So I feel like he's, you know, the kind of, you know, entertaining but somewhat, somewhat stable guy. I think... Part of me wants to say Bart, but Bart can be more of an anarchist. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I feel safe. <laughs> yeah, um, as funny as he can be, it's like, I, I think that would cause a lot of problems. Um, whew, uh, I got one. Me, I, okay, you got one? Chief Wiggum. Well, Chief Wiggum's just great. Chief you, Wiggum, you have, does, he does not get enough credit for how funny he is. No, he's he's the law enforcement authority <laughs> there but enough of a guy that is going to entertain you and do wacky stuff he's so inept at his job i mean <laughs> you could probably <laughs> you could break the law and he wouldn't do anything yeah or no he might not know how to do anything <laughs> you, you know him with his partner officer snuffy <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I would put Chief Wiggum up there. I think this might be someone you wouldn't expect, but Professor Frank. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because I think he's got some interesting inventions that could be fun to play with. I mean, he came up with a rocket bike. <laughs> you know, he came up with, you know, his own little flying machine. You know, he, um, I, I feel like he would have some fun stuff to, uh, have there um as much as i like flanders i think he'd be a wet blanket i know i I, and again i really do like flanders he's one of my favorite characters but i don't think i could party with him no if if you're if he would he would probably be lecturing you on how to party (laughs) (laughs) like in in a positive manner or in a you know the the proper manner put down those drinkerinos (laughs) (laughs) i I got some Odul Arena. <laughs> <laughs> um, who? I uh, Wiggum, Homer, John Frank, and let me let me put a few up to here. Uh, get your thoughts on a few of these guys. Smithers. Ooh. <sighs> if you can get him away from Mr. Burns for a night, because I don't think I want to party with Mr. Burns. No, uh, I think. Uh, 
I think if you get him if you get him away from Burns, I think he's fun. And there's been episodes where he's been away from Ver- Burns, and he's been a little more entertaining. Mm. He lets his personality show. Um, so I can see that. How about Principal Skinner? Ooh. I feel like he could be fun. In his Armin Tenzarian days, I, you know, <laughs> I think he was highly entertaining. Um, I feel like he, he can be such a square <laughs> at times, and but every it seems like when he gets out and away from the school mm-hmm. and out into the real world, he can be, you know, have more of a personality. Yeah. Um, I uh, I still remember when uh, I mean. When he's around other educational people, he tends to be kind of uh, just a stonewallish guy. Mm-hmm. Like when the, the Simpsons get a lot of money, everybody fundraises money, and Andrew Kerbabo says, you know, do something wild, do something exciting. And she goes, right, Seymour? And he goes, yes, something <laughs> wild. <laughs> like he's, he's such a weird character dynamic because he is a strict, you know, he's a Vietnam vet. He can be a strict educator. But he lives with his mother. It's like he's—it's just a weird character dynamic. <laughs> he's and uh, but he will—he always has antics. You know, you mm. look back at the steam—the steamed hams <laughs> incident, <laughs> where he went. You know, he took crusty burger burgers and tried to, you know, pretend they were his own and pretended the house was on fire with the Northern Lights. <laughs> and, I mean, he would provide some entertainment, I think, in his own personal way. I'll double up on a few of these just in the interest of time, but how about Krusty or Sideshow Mel? Krusty would, uh, would definitely provide some entertainment value. We'd all his... end up in jail if we brought Krusty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd probably get involved with the mob at some point <laughs> with his gambling addiction. I think he would probably do something illegal that would get us arrested. Um, so, hmm. I, I, as fun as that would be, I think that would might not be the route you want to take. How about Mo? Moe, I could see it. I could see, well... I mean, because he's, he's weird, he, you know, has a weird personality, but he's, you know, a bartender. He would know the, well, I guess he wouldn't know all the great spots. His bar is kind of a dive bar. But, you know, he would give you the drinks that you would need yeah, to, have, the, yeah, to have the party experience. Uh, I'm trying to fill my, my I, I fourth think, spot. I think I've got my last one. I think I would go with Mayor Quinn. Oh, yeah. You run the city. Uh, yeah, I he runs the city. Um, he does shady stuff. He can help you get around the law <laughs> if need be. Um, and uh, he, you know, let's just say is he can hook you up with whatever you need. And uh, I would, uh, I would definitely put him on the calm. I, I, I think Troy McClure would also. Mm, it's a good one. He's more, he's more of a minor character, and he's you know after the tragic death of phil hartman yeah. you know he hasn't been voiced or lionel hutz so but uh i i if if phil was still around i might consider Trey mcclure yeah, but actually, uh, i think yesterday was the what was it uh 24th anniversary of his murder yeah, yeah. so uh yeah um that was a heartbreaker so but i miss Trey mcclure yeah. and i miss lionel hutz 
But uh, I, I, I think Mayor Quimby would be my fourth. I think he would be able to help you out in any jam that you have. I'll give you just a couple of more here before we move on to football. Groundskeeper Willie, uh, Apu, um, shoot, I just had him, I lost him. Uh, Reverend Lovejoy. Um, I think of the three, Apu would probably be the best. Because mm. uh, Apu is usually involved in a lot of the Simpsons stories and he's usually involved with homer and something they were on a bowling team together <laughs> they you know they've traveled together um i can see him doing it um willie is <laughs> i don't think willie i take be, willie yeah willie's kind of psychotic <laughs> 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 so um probably wouldn't go that route uh what was the third one you said Reverend lovejoy Reverend. Reverend Lovejoy is known for getting his hair down. He loves to play guitar. Mm-hmm. He, I feel like, get him away from the church. <laughs> he's uh, he's got a lot of uh, crazy things that he does. I feel like when he's in, sh- he's at the church. He has to have this strict moral authority. But you get him away, I think he'll uh, he'll do he'll uh, he'll provide some entertainment there. But I would probably go with uh, I'd probably go with the second one. Playing our game of Entourage here on ESPN-UP. Who would you party with if you could pick four characters from The Simpsons? Let's move on to football here, actual sports, before we get to the Friday funnies. Because yesterday the owners were voting on several issues, Ryan. One I wish they would have voted on, they didn't, and that is overtime. Quit ending games in a tie. I mean, I get it. You've got the you've got the 4th and 15 onside kick thing that ended up failing ultimately but why are we doing that instead of changing the tie rule? I, I hate how games can end in a tie that's a good question <laughs> i uh i i i would have gone after the tie thing mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of ties i think ending regular season games that way is kind of ridiculous um it's just you know hockey got rid of ties why can't football get rid of ties? <laughs> you know, it's you. I mean, I mean, wasn't that that one game where Donovan McNabb legit didn't know that you could have a tie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the players don't know that you can have a tie, I feel like that says something. It's you. I mean, just keep playing. Mm. You know, if if you eventually reach the point where you get through overtime and nothing happens, then I feel like you could go to the college route mm-hmm. and go the, okay, each team gets a shot. If they make a stop, the game ends, you know, if they keep tying, then, you know, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Cause that's, I feel like that's the way it should be. Sure. You shouldn't just end it with, okay, both teams get to leave with a, you know, feeling okay about themselves, although they don't really feel okay about (laughs) themselves. And it looks weird in the standings to finish like eight, seven, and one. Mm -hmm. You know, this, I, I would have fixed that problem first. I tell you what, I was thinking about the last couple of seasons and how we've had a tie in week one in each of the last two years. We had Pittsburgh and Cleveland in week one a couple of years ago, and of course the Lions in Arizona this past season. I'm wondering, we know the schedule, I'm wondering if there's potential for a tie in any matchup this coming year. I mean, could you imagine if that, and this might be what it takes, Ryan, to finally change the rule, if we get that Breeze-Brady matchup in week one and they ended a tie. Breeze-Brady's this build up and they tie. I mean, that might change the rule. 
I feel like that would be the thing. Because if you need something big, I feel like to change things. Mm -hmm. There was always resistance to the college football playoff until Alabama played LSU in the championship. And, you know, two teams from the same conference. That was the final straw that I feel got the push towards the CFP. Two legendary quarterbacks (laughs) end up in a tie on a big marquee event. That might be the thing. I tell you what, Dan Roots, Ryan Steig with you in ESPN-UP. Let's take our last time out. Friday Funnies next. Household Appliance is ready to take care of you and your appliance needs. May is Maytag month, and there are huge incentives right now on quality built-in-the-USA Maytag appliances. Stay home, stay safe has allowed many people to realize that their kitchen appliances need to be replaced or that their washers and dryers just aren't doing the trick. Well, Household Appliance and Market has the quality and the savings of Maytag during May is Maytag month. Maytag quality lasts, but these incentives won't last for very long. Household Appliance, where service after the sale is a tradition. Sale ends June 3rd. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Tanner Hoops joined by Ryan Steig this Friday afternoon. Delighted you're with us as always. We end the work week every week with the Friday Funnies. Ryan is kind enough to track down some of the most funny things from the wide world of sports and even beyond, and he's done so once again. What do you have, Ryan? Well, I'm going to start with football. You have Sean Payton, head coach of of the Saints, apparently texted Tom Brady to try to get in his head for week one, saying... He texted him saying, hashtags, keep the cannons quiet. Now, I'm assuming that he meant that with the pirate ship that Mm. the Buccaneers have. I don't know how you think that's going to intimidate or get into Tom Brady's head, Um, especially with a hashtag. It's like, you know, it's kind of sad that Sean Payton did that in the first place. But it's 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 such a Sean Payton move. Yeah, it's very much a Sean Payton move. and that, But to do it with that, it's mm-hmm. like, come up with something clever, man. <laughs> come up with, like, a better, like, an insult or something, you know? Like, you know, hey, you lost to Nick Foles. <laughs> <laughs> the Philly you know? special. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you lost to Eli Manning twice. Yeah, you know? your dad it's just best. joined Twitter last weekend. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> Go that route, not with a hashtag. If I then, uh, if I were Tom yeah. Brady, I'd have just sent a picture back of the rings. Oh yeah, six feet you one, know, six six rings. You know, call me when you get your second kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's what I would have gone with. Um, speaking of Tom Brady, his Escalades for sale. I I retweeted that yesterday. Tom Brady's monstrous like luxury Escalade has only 13,000 miles on it, and he wants $300,000 for it. That vehicle is insane. It really is. If you're listening you haven't seen it, uh, first, please follow me on Twitter. That'd be great if you did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you you haven't already. um, But there's this, his, it's got two VIP electrical climbers (laughs) in his Escalade. I, I didn't even know that was possible to begin with. But when you have Tom Brady money, I guess you can get away mm-hmm. with that. 
Um, so if you got three hundred thousand dollars to spend, you know, I, I doubt in this economy anybody out there does that isn't a millionaire. So but if you by chance, you know, want to get a loan, you know, and buy an escalade, it's for sale, only thirteen thousand miles, you know. <laughs> so uh, you can go with that route. You see what Peyton said um, during his little uh, his little golf match. Oh, with he said a lot of things. Well, yeah, he said a lot of funny things. But what he said about the color scheme of his outfit, when asked if he wanted to wear black and red like Tiger Woods always does, mm-hmm. he said, "I'm not gonna let Kirby Smart get a pic of me in black and red for their social <laughs> media accounts." Proud Tennessee yeah, volunteer. Proud Tennessee volunteer, Kirby Smart, of course, head coach of Georgia. You know, I'm going to rock my orange and white, you know, till the end of my days. That's what Peyton was aiming for. And he was also asked if he'd follow Eli's footsteps and join Twitter. And he said, don't hold your breath. I had a flip phone up until a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's people out there who still have flip phones. Yeah, Andrew Luck. It's 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 uncanny. I didn't think anybody would be that resistant to getting an Android or an iPhone, but there's people who are like, well, why bother changing? I have one now, and which I feel like is, you know, a weird way of. It's like, okay, I have a Zenus TV. Why do I need a plaster? <laughs> I've still got one of those TVs with a big fat back that takes VHS tapes. Yeah, why do I need it? Why do I need a Blu-ray? I have VCR. <laughs> it just seems like a weird attitude to have. Like, do you think um, you could buy a flip phone right now if you wanted to? Like, go to a store. Do you think a Verizon or a Sprint store would actually have a flip phone? You know, a couple. Uh, it was a few years ago, like five years ago. I went in, and they still had some flip phones. I don't know if they still do anymore. And let's say your flip phone you know, has issues. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take it to Verizon and be like, hey, flip, fix my flip phone? They're probably not going to know how to deal with it. They're going to be like, uh, you still use this? I, why don't we, uh, here, sir, <laughs> here's some new iPhone. <laughs> Let's try to push you into the 21st century a little bit. You know, maybe a further into the 21st century. I don't know. It's just... That, that was one of my favorite moments out of the week. Um, I'll switch. I got some baseball stuff here. Yeah. Um, we have – did you see what the Indians were doing on their uh, – with their batting lineup graphics last year? I did not. Okay. For those who don't know, what the Cleveland Indians did with with their dozens of batting line, lineup updates that they do for games, they had images of Nicolas Cage's face. <laughs> in each of their batting lineup graphics. And people didn't notice this because they hit them so well, but somebody said in one of the things, they said, did someone sneak a Nick Cage face into a tattoo one of the players had in their arms? And the Indians admitted, yeah, we did. We've been doing that all year. So (laughs) apparently that's what the Indians have done. They stuck pictures of Nick Cage in every one of their batting lineup graphics. I thought that was an interesting game that mm. they played. I I was not aware of that. No. I I would even notice that. I would ask, why did you pick Nick Cage? <laughs> they said because he's a national treasure. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, their social media is creative. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah. So, okay. That was an interesting route to take, but all right. Um, let's see. In addition to baseball, a New, a New Jersey brewery has decided to mock the Astros with trash can banger beer. You can pick it up in New Jersey and I think the New York City market where it's a can of beer and it looks like the rainbow jerseys that the Astros had in the 1980s. Trash can banger beer, making fun of the Astros. If you are an Astro hater at this point, you know, feel free. Call the New, the New Jersey brewery and order a case for yourself. They're trying to get somebody to sell it in Texas as a joke. But I don't know if any te- – unless they're Rangers fans, right. I don't see anybody doing that. I might order it. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. And you know what? Astro haters are basically anybody who doesn't like the Astros anymore. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're opposed to cheating in baseball, I urge you to buy, buy a case. Yeah, buy a case. <laughs> yeah, buy a case. See what it tastes like. Uh you know, I, I'm hoping it's worth your purchase because mm-hmm. there's a lot of slinky beer out there. So you're hoping that, you know, if you're going to buy something from New Jersey, it's going to be worth your purchase. So if you decide to do that, if you decide to do it, I'd love to hear your verdict <laughs> uh, on what you think of it. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a funny thing, but I found this interesting. The double A, I'm sure you know this as a Twins fan, mm-hmm. but a double A, the double A squad for the Twins has put their stadium, the Pensacola, Florida, Blue Wahoos, has put their stadium up for Airbnb to rent mm-hmm. for $1,500 a night plus fees and up to 10 people. You have access to their clubhouse, their batting cage, and the field. There's a bedroom with four bunk beds and two queen-size beds. You have two flat-screen TVs and a kitchenette with a fridge, freezer, coffee maker, and a microwave. How cool would that be? I mean, that's like a bachelor party. Like, you, you have ten guys split the cost, so it's like 150 each. Like a, a birthday party, bachelor party, something like that. And that stadium is beautiful, right on the oceanfront. Yeah, it's in, you know, you got an ocean view, you have access to a minor league baseball field, you can use all their facilities. $1,500 a night isn't bad, no. you know, for that kind of a thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's expensive, and, you know, but you're getting a lot out of it, mm-hmm. you know. For those who don't know, the Pensacola Bruahoos are also co-owned by golfer Bubba Watson. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's an interesting tidbit there. So... If you want a vacation in Florida, you know, right now, Airbnb, it's $1,500 a night. I mean, yeah, there's always fees attached. They made sure to emphasize that. But still, it might be worth it to, you know, take part in that. Absolutely. So I will um, close it out with some uh, two things that maybe aren't sports-related but made me laugh, and I have to include them. They're a Bolivian orchestra has been stranded in a German castle for 73 days. Oh, during my the gosh. What? I, I, it's, first, you're in a German castle, so that's kind of cool in your own way. Mm. But to be stranded in there for more than two months has to be insane. And in true Hollywood movie fashion, the woods that surround the German castle are home to several packs of wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might have missed it when you said that. Um, why are they stranded there again? 
Uh, it, the pandemic, travel things, you know, you can't, you know, there's travel restrictions, you know. I mean, you have people who are stranded on resorts in other countries, and yeah. they're stuck under travel rules. So they've been stuck there for more than two months. And if they venture outside of the wolves, <laughs> to the woods, there's packs of wolves. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how are they getting food? Like, how are they surviving? I Maybe if there's stuff in the German castle hmm. that maybe there's hordes of food. Maybe they're getting it shipped in. I, I'm hoping that's what they're getting because after 73 days, you got to be starving at that point uh, and searching for food. And and there's wolves surrounding your building. <laughs> I mean, that's like the makings for like a cheap like B Hollywood movie. Yeah, I mean, now, it's like some, it's not, I don't know why they couldn't just helicopter them out. <laughs> I feel like. Somebody is uh, kind of dropping the ball there. Yeah, I guess they... like, <laughs> you could kind of fix the problem if you wanted to, but uh, I, I think the wolves element really adds a little spice to it. It's, uh, um, and I'll end it with a little, a little cheerier note. So a loose black bear was out in Florida. Those who don't know, there are black bears in Florida. There's black bears all over the South. They... They couldn't tranquilize it was in a heavily trafficked area. So they couldn't tranquilize it because that could cause if they, you know, agitate the bear, you know, they could, you know, create a frenzy in the town and that could be a problem. So what they did is they baited a trap with Krispy Kreme donuts and a blueberry pie spray that made it smell like blueberry pie. So would would that entice you? <laughs> Uh, up uh, there, I can't imagine so. Yeah, uh, bears are notorious for their sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's what got them into the the bear into the trap was Krispy Kreme donuts, which they're enticing to humans. I imagine they would be more enticing to a bear. <laughs> so, I uh, I'm gonna end it. They're two non-sports stories, but they're so crazy that I had to include it. And they involve wildlife, yeah. just like that one. I ended with the angry chicken that's attacking bank <laughs> bank customers in Tennessee, which from what I heard, they still haven't caught this <laughs> So I, I wondered if you were going to bring up the Redskins Bazaar tweet from Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 since we have a little bit of time, I'll briefly mention that. So the Redskins, out of the blue, sent a tweet that had nothing in it it was just blank and at the bottom it said translate from korean <laughs> <laughs> so a blank first a blank tweet so i don't know what if the redskins as i joked on twitter have just given up and there's nothing more to say we're, we're terrible <laughs> you know Here's a blank tweet, but at the bottom to say translate from Korean, somehow Twitter thought that was a Korean tweet, is, makes it even more hilarious. That 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 is on brand for the Redskins, but the only other team I could see doing that is maybe Cleveland, but uh, yeah. the uh, Their bio, their Twitter bio says something to the effect of new season, new Rivera with the ERA and Rivera capitalized, and if that's the way they're starting the new Rod Rivera then it's going to be a long tenure for Ron Rivera in D.C. Uh, ERA, are they thinking baseball there? Because <laughs> <laughs> now you're even more off 
you know, your blank tweet was somehow more intelligent than what that was. We can always count on Dan Snyder to give us some kind of content that just makes you think, why? But either or, a good way to end the week. And I tell you what, the Friday Funnies, Ryan is able to put those together and kind enough to share them with us. Always good having you, Ryan. Stay safe and be well. Looking forward to next week's show, and I'm sure you and I will talk between then. I'm sure, though, yes. That's it for us here at ESPN-UP. Enjoy your weekend. From all of us and for Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishwaming Marquette.